0: How should we respond to unjust commands? That's what we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project. And with me, as always, or at least as almost always, is... Almost not always. Yeah. um, Up until recently, it's been always... But um, with me again is uh, is Brian Dembozik. My perfect attendance pin is no more. That's a shame. But thank you for joining us, Brian. Uh, Brian I, I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Brian is, of course, our managing editor with The Gospel Project. So, Brian, today we are continuing to survey the book of Daniel. Um, we've got about another week or so that we'll be looking at this book. Um, And this time we are picking up the story in chapter six, which um, if anyone listening is familiar with with the book of Daniel at all, you'll notice that this chapter definitely has a similar feel and even a similar point to uh, to chapter three of this book Um, and. That should actually immediately jump out to us because um, what it means is is that the concept that it contains within the truth that's there is really, really important.
1: Yeah, so in in Daniel three, of course, we interact with the guys being thrown into a fiery furnace and we see them taking a stand and doing what's right, Mm -hmm. even if there's great risk to their own safety and then God preserves them. And here we basically see the same big idea that Daniel this time, does what's right mm-hmm. even at great risk to his life and, and god preserves him
0: yeah that's right now for for context we are um so at this stage in the in the story that god is telling through scripture um brian what what's happened well to get us here
1: yeah well nebuchadnezzar's kingdom has fallen at this point babylon is now
0: ruled by well that's a great question that actually brings up the first question well, we pause should and jump to our first question okay how do we pronounce this king's name? It's we've we've heard many different ways, um, in many different times, depending on who is who's talking and who's preaching, um, and when we read it to our Western eyes, it looks kind of like Darius. It looks like Darius. It seems like the uh, the the everyman way of saying it. Right, but it's not. Um, It's actually Darius.
1: You know, as a guy who has his name mispronounced all the time, I probably will
0: end up calling him Darius in our discussion. Well, that's fine. Because it's
1: so ingrained in
0: me. It is. Absolutely. But, yes, it's Darius. Um, Although, I'll be honest. It sounds uppity. Maybe. Maybe. But I am Canadian. So it's fine. (laughs) So. (laughs) So. But, you know, reading that, just even just even thinking about that little thing, um, we joke a lot about pronouncing, you know, pronouncing words we're uncertain of quickly and confidently. Um, This one is certainly certainly one like that, um, except that there actually is a correct way to say it. Um, But but knowing the knowing the correct, correct pronunciation makes me wonder about Daniel's name. Um, And it's like. Is, is his danielle no well, no 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 like something Dan-well. like denial or something like that <laughs> um and it's like it may or it's Jake <laughs> that's right <laughs> so it, at what at what point do the letters that are there not matter but um any anyway it's kind of like with your last so, name exactly <laughs> I mean you just start
1: jumbling them all together yeah. and 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 I'm still waiting on JD Greer to get back with me to have our name, last name vowel consonant exchange. Mm, yeah. I have, the last offer I made to him was I will take one of his extra vowels for three of my extra consonants. Oh, that's great. I think that's a good trade. That's great.
0: I like it. I like it. Good. He he good can stuff. even choose. He can choose which he one. He can choose which one. So he could have two he could still have two e's. He he could keep his two or e's he could keep and give me one an of a. them and give you an e and he can have a c a z a y a k or all of the above or all the above (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh back to where we were though so so the kingdom is now ruled by darius
1: yes king d and uh daniel has great influence in this kingdom uh he he is an upright man so he has earned and curried favor uh in that and of course, the other court officials are not keen on this. They are intensely jealous. And so they're looking for an opportunity to to trip him up. As you know, that's kind of human nature. If if you can't exceed, mm-hmm. pull somebody else down, and, and maybe that'll give you a way to succeed. Yeah. So they develop this this plan. They, they say, hey, look, we know that Daniel is is a, a righteous man. We know that he worships his God. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna trick King D into Establishing this law that says you can't pray to anybody but him Mm -hmm. for a period of time and, uh, and we'll get him. Yeah. And so, of course,
0: that sets up the sets uh, up what actually happens. So, so we know what happens. They make this, the king makes this edict and he doesn't even think about the consequences. No. So, um, I love the way that, uh, I love the way that, um, it's written in this though because when we get uh, when we get to verse 10 in the chapter it says when daniel learned that the document had been signed he went in he went into his house the windows in its upstairs room opened toward jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his god just as he had done before and it was basically he goes upstairs and just says, nuts to this, <laughs> I'm, I do what I want. <laughs> or I, I do what I'm compelled to do by, by God. More correctly, yeah. yes. But I mean, as, as a natural contrarian, <laughs> as someone who <laughs> automatically wants to just like, when someone tells me want it, what to do, I wanna do the opposite. Yeah. There's just a piece of me that's like, yeah, stick it to him. Yeah. <laughs> but he's doing it for the right reasons. So, um, it, so in this way, it's like, yeah. Stick it to him. <laughs> you know, um, and I think there's
1: consequence. I think there's something there we can learn from King Darius as well, because mm-hmm. you know it, it's not it's not in the text. so I'm I'm taking a, a, a risky step to try mm-hmm. to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. But I, I would have to think it was an ego stroking moment on his part mm-hmm. And that's he probably agreed to it without thinking more broadly because I'm sure had he thought, oh minute, this is this is gonna do Daniel wrong. I don't want to do that. Yeah. He he would have restrained himself. And we know that because he's he's really upset when yep. Daniel is thrown into the into the den. So we know that he cared about Daniel and valued him. Mm-hmm. And so I think to me it just seems like he just got so blinded by, you know, this this stroking his ego.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And and so there's a good warning to us in this And I think we are just as susceptible. Uh, that sometimes we are are willing to give into our, our egos. Um, and, and even if we don't think through not only the sinfulness of it, but also how we can hurt others.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so of course we know how the story story ends. Um, Daniel is brought before the King. Um, reluctantly Darius throws him into the lion's den. Um, but I love I love this compassion that's there for like that evident care that that you were speaking of because he spends the whole night fasting. He can't sleep. He his this is weighing on his conscience Um, and um, and nothing could distract him from it. And so the first the first thing in the morning at the first sight of dawn or first light of dawn says uh, verse 19, he gets up and he runs over to the lion's den. And when he reaches it, he cries out. And it says, in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions. That's it's just so powerful. Like everything that, that we're seeing there, this um that Daniel has won such favor with these people who um who who believe nothing like him, who live nothing like him, um, and yet when they're forced to, when the king has been bamboozled and forced to do something to harm this man, um, it just wrecks him. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's just incredible. Um, and, and leaves us with a lot, to lot to think about. Um, and then of course we see that, that Daniel was, was spared and, um, that, and that, uh, God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions and they're there and they're chilling and they're probably not cuddling around. Like you see in a lot of uh, uh, kids ministry. Yeah. They're still hungry. Story pictures. They're, they're hungry. And we find that out when the other, <laughs> when the guys who set up Daniel get thrown in there, <laughs> they and didn't he- even make it to the ground. So this is some pretty serious stuff. Um, but, as we, as we, as we think about like, and there's so much stuff to think about here. But as we do, what are some questions that we should be asking? Well, I think the first one is is
1: why do we see God include two stories that are so similar? And, and I know we rub shoulders with this in mm-hmm. the kids space when we cover this in our Gospel Project for Kids materials. Yeah, and they're back to back weeks, and it feels like you're on repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the circumstances change, of course, but it's the same takeaway. Yeah, and so I think the first question is why. Now, my inclination is because repetition is important to teach us, mm-hmm. um, and and we need to see clearly God's faithfulness to those who are faithful to Him mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah, and uh, and so it's it's really something that. W- I think the better question is why don't we see more of this? I mean, why why would we get impatient for having something similar, right. especially something so beautiful?
0: Yeah. What, what do you What do you think? Well, I mean, there is a degree. I mean, I definitely agree. Repetition is is a key thing. God God wants us to know this. He wants us to learn from this example, and and it's not the only exa- time we see this similar kind of mm-hmm. idea uh, presented in Scripture. We even see it in we even see it in in Joseph's story. There's a parallel there um, with Daniel and Joseph. If you take a look at that, you see it in Jesus too. Um, yeah. That that these are that faithfulness has consequences, and and we're always going to be tempted to um, tempted to compromise. We're going to be challenged to compromise on over and over and over again. And God is and what God is saying here is is like no. What happens to you now is it matters, but it's less important than what then but the consequences of um what happens in your life right now are less important than than remaining faithful and and what happens after you know um and that's 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 a key thing that we need to remember, yeah, and I think th- there is a an important subtle it
1: seems. Until you really start thinking about it, then it's not so subtle. Mm-hmm. But really important distinction between these two accounts. And you, you just kind of yeah. hinted at it a, a minute ago. You know, when I think back to uh, the three friends in the furnace, what got them in trouble was they were put in a position where they, I mean, it, they had no recourse. They either you bowed in worship or you didn't. And it was pretty obvious. Yes. And so they were kind of pushed into it. Daniel had a choice. which yeah kind of leads to the next question why didn't he just pray in in private well why, why? you we yeah. know that yeah. prayer is not a matter of our pot our body posture it's not a matter of our eyes being closed or yeah. anything like that we're commanded to pray without ceasing you can pray without somebody else knowing it mm-hmm. so why didn't daniel here simply say i'm gonna i'm gonna play it smart yeah i'm gonna stay faithful to god i'm gonna keep praying but I'm going to do it in a way that nobody sees. I'm either going to do it in a private way or I'm, I'm going to do it instead of kneeling or, or falling pro- or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it sitting. Right. I'm going to go to a coffee shop. I'm going to sip a latte mm-hmm. as I pray to God. Right. He could have done that. Sure. And so there's the distinction between these accounts. The first, there was no way out of it. They, I mean, they're forced into it. Here, Daniel chose... To pursue faithfulness he mm-hmm. chose boldness yeah to be faithful to god because he said no i don't even compromise anything right i'm not going to give an inch it, you know if god has compelled me if he's called me to to pray in this manner i'm going to continue because i don't fear man i fear god yeah so there is a really important again seems subtle at first but yeah. then when you start thinking but about it, no, there it's it's yeah. really is a distinction between these two accounts
0: yeah yeah, that's a good that's a good point. And um, another question that we should be asking really is um, is has to do with Darius himself. I mean, we like he acts very st- peculiarly throughout this passage, not at all the way we would expect a, a, a king to act. Um, and so and he ends the chat and the chapter ends with this this uh, declaration of honor toward God. Um, and so we we should be wondering what do we make of that? How should we respond to that? Too? Yeah, you know it's a really uh, it's a really challenging
1: idea because we see not here, we see Nebuchadnezzar earlier in this book. Uh, I think of of Nineveh in the book of Jonah where we read of them repenting, but then we see also what Nineveh did shortly after. Going back to Nebuchadnezzar earlier in Daniel, we see what he does shortly after. So we always have to look carefully and determine, do we see genuine lasting repentance or do we see superficial repentance? Uh, we see that today. I mean, we're both fathers. We see it with our kids. Mm-hmm. There are times our kids are sorry they got in trouble or sorry they got caught. They're not sorry for what they did. And so that's totally different. Same thing here. So. I, I don't think we can be dogmatic. I don't think we can look and say, all right, based on what we see by the king here, we know he was saved. Yeah. Neither can we say, no, we know he's not saved. That was superficial. That was whatever. I, I think we we just have to take it at face value. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think we need to hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I think we need, and ultimately we need to say God knows. Yeah, Exactly. And he'll figure it out. Yeah. It's hey, same with the question of who wrote Hebrews. God knows. Exactly. <laughs> And I think this is timely. Um, we see
1: this in our culture, don't we, where mm-hmm. um, a celebrity or somebody will – an athlete or somebody will, will, will profess faith in, in Christ. And yeah. how do we as the church respond? I, I, I see a problem when, when we have those who probably for good intentions, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, sure. want, want to guard the kingdom and are very sep- you know, leery and, and prone to be cynical. You and I are cynical by nature, absolutely. But I don't think it's the right posture. I, I think the right posture is to to celebrate what God may have done, to pray that it's sincere, mm-hmm. and until we see otherwise, treat it as a legitimate, yeah, yeah, as a genuine conversion and, and trusting in Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really wise approach. Um, I mean we don't know much about this particular this particular king this Darius. We don't know if you don't even know how to say his name. We We only just learned today. That's right, that's right but um, but but Darius the Mede, we we don't know if he's Darius the great from history or if he's another one there's some there's some questions and ambiguity about that. Um, and that's and, and so we we can't really say for sure. I mean, um, if he is Darius the Great, then um, then he was a Zoroastrian, um, and that's a different, that's a completely different yeah. kind of religion altogether. Um, it it maybe, perhaps, this was a superficial thing. Again, we don't know for we sure. We don't know, but God does, and that's good news. That's right. So, um, so Brian, let's uh, let's switch gears because there's an important question that we still have to ask about this passage. How does it point us to Jesus? Yeah, I think we see Jesus in, in several different
1: ways. Mm-hmm. One of them, and and through themes that we see in here, one is um, Daniel's defiance to degree points us to Jesus because um, we know uh, just as, as Daniel here is in defiance to a, a man-made law, he says, no, I, I can't honor that law because I have to honor God's law mm-hmm. greater than that. We, we see this in Acts, of course, as well yeah. with, with Peter and John. Uh, but we see that in the life of Jesus as well, where he is, defined. it's not the man-made law, but really to the the religious laws, mm-hmm. the Mishnah and so forth, um, contrived by the religious leaders of that day, Yeah, that they treated that on par with the law. And that's why I think Jesus was frustrated with it. That's why he pushed back against it. Yeah. And it seems like intentionally, at times, went after it. He did certain things. He he perform certain miracles in certain ways Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath to goad these thinker or these religious
0: leaders to think through to challenge them right so So i
1: I think we see a little bit of a parallel there
0: yeah i was just going to say side note doesn't it it just kind of encourage you that that uh in some ways jesus was a contrarian (laughs) i think you're a contrarian so it
1: encourages you (laughs) i I need to be contrarian to that no it doesn't (laughs) encourage me
0: so I think another thing that, that there is a, a light m- sort of minor question on is um, who or what is the angel that was in the den with Daniel? Um, is, that, um, is that an example of what theologians call a theophany um, or Christophany um, more specifically? Um, that uh, an appearance of, of Christ before his incarnation. Um, this one, I mean... I've heard arguments for it. I, I lean toward no on yeah. that myself. Um, I, I think
1: the rule of thumb that I follow is it's not unless it's compelling thinking otherwise. Right. And it may sound like an odd way to phrase no, it. but that. I, I get my that. My starting point is it's not. Yeah. My starting point is not it is. Now, com- convince me it's not. Right. Mine is, no, it's not. Convince me it is. Right. And, and there are several places where sure. it can be. I, I believe the, the fourth man in the furnace, I believe, is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that one that one I lean toward yeah. yes on that for sure. Um I mean and I mean as we'll talk about when we get to um we won't so much get to in uh Daniel 7 when we talk about that but to we will to a degree but later on in in the rest of Daniel we see some pretty obvious Yeah. Um, pictures of Jesus um, that are referenced again and again throughout yeah, the New and Testament. And that's the thing. We too. just
1: want to be careful not to force meaning here mm-hmm. because we see it. Because we see if we believe that the, the fourth man in the furnace was pre-incarnate Christ, then we can't say, well, because of that, let's see him here too. Yeah, we have to exactly. treat this as it is. Yes, and I don't see evidence here in this passage. Right, it's strong so, enough. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. It, it would be different if it was like uh, if uh, if Darius called down and said, "Are you still alive?" and and he saw two men there. Yeah. Um. That that I think would yeah. be. Uh, yeah. Maybe an opportunity to say, "Okay, maybe." Well, and that's the thing. Most of them are still a maybe. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So it's one of those things that. What we shouldn't do, and we brought this up intentionally to say, what we shouldn't do in this passage is spend too much time thinking about that. When really, how it points yeah. to Jesus is far more about the themes exactly. and the big ideas it, that are there. It's
1: not unimportant yeah. to think through that. Yeah, but don't camp out there and and
0: build your your, don't Christ build your connection. theology on exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. So, um instead, um, what you need to look at ultimately is 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 um this matter of of faith lived out that daniel in his example trusted god and obeyed him and he didn't waver he did what was right by his convictions to the very end um, and god delivered him from death knowing and he did this all knowing that the consequence to him was death um, similarly jesus trusted god and he obeyed him fully um, but what's different is is that Jesus wasn't delivered from death. He died to deliver others from death and in his resurrection established his kingdom. That is – that's just a, a really powerful thing yeah. that, that's that's different there than um, in the example of Jesus. And that's something that we need to be careful of as well is we need to remember that when we look at the examples of others and we look for themes that, that point us toward Jesus um, – we're not always seeing direct parallels. We're seeing a greater sense, a greater fulfillment than, um, or um, or a bigger picture Damn. with Christ than we are um, apart from him. Um, what we want to be careful whenever we we look at, uh, at narrative passages like this, we don't want to say, oh, well, Daniel is Jesus. No, he's yeah. not, Daniel is Daniel. And Jesus, Jesus is the Jesus. greater Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, now think about this book from the perspective of um, someone discipling another person, whether it's someone working with small groups or Sunday school, um, student ministry, kids ministry, one-on-one discipleship, whatever that looks like. What kind of guidance can we quickly offer them in working through this passage with others? Yeah, I think the first thing is is really the main idea here of—, of how do we
1: navigate the challenges that we will face to be mm-hmm. faithful to Christ and, and the gospel? And, you know, I, I like thinking through this in two different levels. One, let's be a little bit more optimistic. We, yeah, we will have challenges. And I think those are growing in, in mm-hmm. our culture. And so it is helpful for us to think about will we be faithful? And, and again, thinking back to the little bit of a nuanced difference between this where Daniel could have had an opportunity to kind of compromise in some way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, where, how bold will we be? But the other way to look at this is more of a little bit negative. Um, I think we need to stop wringing our hands and and thinking that we're persecuted here mm-hmm. in America. Um, this was persecution. This man was thrown into a lion's den. Yeah. There's persecution around the world where believers are losing their lives. I've heard statistically there are more martyrdom to there's more martyrdom today than ever. Yeah, Um, and so we in America we are quick to wring our hands and and claim the badge of persecution because of what a lot of other believers in the world would say. That's it, right? So I don't want to minimize it. I I don't want to you know I don't want to be a jerk and be like, hey, just stop complaining all or, or stop. Right. No, we we do have adversity. But I personally am not willing to call it persecution. Right. So I think there's two. This helps us think through this in two different levels mm-hmm. of what we experience as believers in America. Primarily, I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's fair. I mean, there is a sort of um, it's here. Here's how I would put that. I would I would describe it more as there's a con, like that. Just like poverty is contextual. Um, persecution can be context, contextual as well. So there's a there is a form of which, but in America, in America and or the West in general, it tends to be more of an intellectual persecution. So it's or a persecution from freedoms. Yeah, and so yeah. Um, but we're not called to protect our freedoms per se. I mean, we should enjoy them. We should, um, we should be grateful for them. This is not me saying, you know, they don't matter or anything like that. Um, and there is a, there is a sense in which, um, Christians do currently have in the West do have an obligation to protect, to, to advocate for, fight for, and protect those freedoms that do exist. Um, so, Don't hear what I'm not saying (laughs) is my very long way of saying don't hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) But um, there at the end of the day, whether our freedoms come and go do not affect whether or not we are Christians or not. Or whether Um, Christ sits on the throne. Right. Exactly. They are not the they are not the object of our faith. Jesus is the object of our faith. Yeah. They are not our rulers. Jesus is our rulers, and our freedoms all come from Him. And that's kind of the big idea that's here. Um, and so, yeah, is there like is there adversity here? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there a is there a form of of persecution? Yeah, there, there are times sure, where we have absolutely. to take a stand. There absolutely. are times
1: that we will have to take a stand, or conversely, give in and compromise. Right. Are,
0: and and frankly, so, yeah. too
1: often we do compromise. Yeah. But my contention is. Man, we need to stop wringing our hands as believers, especially in America and the yes. West, and and get this victim mentality. Woe is us. When man, we look around the world and it's like we right. there are believers who would love to trade places with us, right, and deal with what we're dealing right. with.
0: But more importantly, to your point of not not having a victim mentality, it plays into how we respond to the respond to the issues that we face right now yeah. here. Um, we are not victims. Because Jesus is in authority over all things. And if Jesus is in in authority, if um, he is working out all things for his good, um, um, as uh, actually a uh, friend of mine and one of of our our pastors said um, actually just uh, on a recent Sunday, um, that God is good. Uh, God is on his throne. Everything is going his way. And he loves us. What more can we ask? for? Sounds like a pretty good day to me. Absolutely. Um, so those are things that we have to remember. And that should be what guides and motivates our faithfulness, not what's going on in politics, not what's going on in the culture, but what Jesus is doing. Um, so um, and and so we are we're called to obey him above all other things. We're called to obey God first and foremost. And if we have to choose, we choose him. Yep. So, Brian, I think that's a good place for us to leave this off. Let's call it there. All right. So uh, thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.